Hi, and welcome to RevOps Unboxed, the podcast that dives into the world of revenue operations brought to you by me, Sandy Robinson, in partnership with Revenue Operations Alliance. On this episode of RevOps Unboxed, I speak with Etchens Tenbrook, Senior Director of RevOps at Quorum. This conversation will be all about how to prioritize as a RevOps leader. Let's get started. Welcome to RevOps Unboxed. I'm Sandy Robinson, and I'm here today to talk to Etchens Tenbrook. Um, Etchens is a Senior Director of Sales Operations at Quorum. I'm really excited to talk to you today about all things RevOps, sales ops, and all the fun stuff. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Sandy. I'm excited to be here and to discuss a topic that I'm kind of passionate about and I kind of geek out about. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background and uh, what you do uh, when we get started here. Yeah. So I actually, right now, I am the senior, as you just said, I'm the senior director of sales operations at a company called Quorum. Um, my background, I've been mostly operations. So I actually started first job out of college at a SaaS company called Blackboard. And I started off like in a like mini sales operations, client operations um, capacity. And it was like back way back when pre-CRM days, like where we just like tracked a lot of our deals by spreadsheets, created our own like spreadsheet baseline and stuff. So I got to see some of the progression of like sales operations in general. Um, and yeah, and I think it's, I think about, I have about 15 plus years experience in like sales ops capacity. Wow, that's that's awesome. Uh, you you just totally triggered me by saying spreadsheets because I uh, I think people still do that today in spite of mm-hmm. having a CRM. But um, <laughs> I'm gonna let that one uh, I'm gonna let that one roll for a minute. I, <laughs> um, I, a bit I kind about- of have mixed feelings about spreadsheets. So like I I think they're a good thing. They're they're necessary at times, but they can be a crutch. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. When you're diving into data, totally, totally get it. Totally get mm-hmm. it. Maybe tell people a little something a little bit fun about you or something uh, someone might know on the personal side or might not know uh, if you want to share with people. Well, fun things. Background wise, I'm actually um, Liberian. So I'm originally from Liberia, West Africa, but grew up here, been here most of my life since I was three. Um. I would say, I don't know if this is interesting, but if I want to say I have a hobby, I like collect cookbooks. Okay. And I'm like I'm unapologetic about buying a cookbook, looking at it, never cooking something in it, but just knowing that it's there. Because what I like, I'd like to have it. If I find something that I think I would like to make, I'll make it. But if it, if it doesn't interest me, I keep it, I collect it, and maybe I'll reference it in the future or not. So oh. something like that, yeah. That's really neat. That's really neat. And you've got, uh, at least you have options all the time, right? Exactly. I'm a huge foodie. So I kind of like to have the option of making something myself um, or not. <laughs> well, great. So tell me, you you mentioned a little bit about your, your first uh, kind of in the world of sales operations before it was really truly sales operations. Uh-huh. Uh, how did that evolve for you throughout your career and 
I, you know, maybe if you could give a little, a little bit more into, you know, that first mm -hmm. job and, and evolving into the next one and, and what that looked like for you. Yeah. Okay. So my journey into sales ops to me, I think is interesting because I actually like, you know, when you start a job, you're kind of, especially like first job out of college, you're unsure about what you're going to be doing. Right. So what I actually was focused on as I look back, it wasn't, I'm saying it's sales operations, but it was really like a support role for like renewals, right? So like looking at what they had for the renewal baseline, making sure the customers were um, going to renew and then um, delivering software licenses from a revenue, so for revenue recognition. So like getting those delivered out there, um, because as you can imagine, Blackboard was a, or still is a pretty um, prominent company um, right. as far as like the university and the higher education space. So we kind of had high volume there. And then what shape, what my role shaped into was I then kind of quickly as the company grew, became a leader, a manager, and we were focused on like the client facing group and, um, ensuring that our sales force was updated with like fulfillment information, like uh, license delivery. So through my role, I ended up um, having a closer relationship with our IT team Okay. and working on IT projects. They would show me certain things with um, sales force in general, like the sales force admin um, would work closely with me and say, look, you can do some of this yourself, right? So that's kind of how I got more exposure to Salesforce. Um, and then there were like IT related projects where they just needed someone like me to support on the sales side. So I became more of a go-between with that. Um, and that lended itself to me just uh, moving on to a different role where I was more like a systems operations leader hmm. um, and managing the projects that had to do with like, migrating to CPQ. Um, oh, that's yeah. a fun one. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fun one. And now I, I, I've i done it four times now. Really? Wow. So, yeah, I feel like that's something, yeah. I've done it four times and it's just like, after doing it twice, like two times, you kind of know where the pitfalls are, where to avoid and exactly kind of like how you want to, um, this is a little tangent, but like, how you want to set up your project, what you want to put in scope and things that you probably should avoid uh, so that you can go live at a uh, re with a reasonable schedule, right? So, yeah. Wow. Well, that, I mean, that's, let me just stop there for a minute. That experience, four times setting up a CPQ, I mean, that is, that is truly valuable because I, I would imagine you can really huh? foresee as you're setting something up. So if you're, Somebody who's listening in more of a startup organization mm -hmm. don't always have that foresight, right? Yep. So it's like, oh, well, we're just going to throw this together because we need to get these reports out. But uh, I don't want to derail here too much, but maybe there's uh, what what's the most important thing if you're if you're thinking about jumping into a CPQ down the road uh, and you don't have one today when you're setting up your instance. I would say just like narrowing into like why you want it, right? Like, is your product catalog that complex, right? Is it a complexity thing where you are 
trying to put in like specific like pricing rules and automation. Like it's like you have to like justify why you're investing in it, right? And what you want your end state goal to be. Um, so I would say that piece, like your product catalog, uh, complex. And the other reason really, I think why most organizations go into CPQ is because of the renewal built, like renewable renewals, right? So the ability to set up um, renewal opportunities without having to do something manual and ad hoc, which I've seen a lot of organizations go through, right? So I'd say the most important thing is probably like, I would start with my product catalog and seeing if I could start, if you could start simple, because I've seen things where uh, things are built out or product, your product catalog is so complex, right? So it's going to slow down your ability to even go live. And then once you do go live, it's a maintenance thing, right? Mm-hmm. So like you have to like you should really justify the complexities within what you're trying to offer and see if you can simplify it and then go um attempt to like purchase something that would support that. And I think from a tool set perspective, I've done a lot more like Salesforce CPQ, but I've also looked at like Aptis. Um and chameleon, which yeah. I think is no longer around. Um, but yeah, I think the the one thing that I'm one of my takeaways is that if you can, especially if you're like, I'll just throw this out there for you all. I think your best bet is to stick with the Salesforce uh embedded steel brick CPQ because there's just some ease of implementation that's there. Right. Um yeah. So I don't know if that was a tangent. No, no, I know it's. it's a, I know it's a tangent dear, near and dear to my heart. I we we uh, we did a little cart before the horse on uh, getting a CPQ. We're overly ambitious about uh, being able to put it together when uh, our products were still continually changing and uh, mm-hmm. our amount of custom work that that was being done. It it. it we ended up just, you know, not moving forward with it. Um, so, you know, yeah. there was some, some real learning in the trying part. And then I was like, well, we need to go back. Like what you said, like, why, why are we doing it? Like really going mm-hmm. back by really with any technology. So um, yeah, so total tangent, but a good one, I think. Yeah, um, it's the buzzword, right? CPQ, get CPQ. It's, it's really, we've done some great marketing with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and having the, the, and just with, really with any tool, having the team and the support and being able to, to have that plan uh, to put it together. I agree. I mean, the one, let me just say this one thing though, you should not use like go live with the CPQ without an implementation partner, right? Like that is a, a must have, right? Because you're going to do things and you're not going to understand the downstream impact. So having an implementation partner is kind of, it's, I think it's a critical part of it. And then having an implementation partner that is willing to teach you, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I did have. I've got, it was a guy named Kyle, amazing. I would ask him to do certain things. And I was like, well, can you show it to me? He would just walk me through everything. So I had the information so I can reuse it in the future. So I think that's key as well. Yeah. Wow. Where, where were you in my life like a couple of years ago? So <laughs> I, I think this is just such valuable, valuable information. 
So after you became the uh, CPQ guru, uh, what, uh, you know, as, as you <laughs> evolve from your really bridge the gap on like where you are today and the, and the types of things that, um, that you're doing, and then we'll kind of shift into our, uh, our main topic. Yeah. So, I mean, like I was at this other organization where I was the CPQ side, so kind of like business operations it was before we were like divide we defined revenue operations but like the middle person between like systems and salesforce related projects right mm -hmm. and then i i i ended up um accepting a role at an organization as the sole director of sales operations but like focused on salesforce and like operations enablement and that was really interesting because it was um a 20 year old uh, audiobook company. Okay. And they were trying to like just bring um, door to door salesmen to like using like the Salesforce C CRM, get them in CPQ because we were renewing an audiobook content. Um, we were focused on getting more renewable revenue for the audiobook platform content for libraries. So it was really interesting to like, try to like get a group of users that were not acclimated with using like a CRM, mm -hmm. get them on board with logging certain things, get them on board with forecasting, right? <laughs> Enabling the forecasting tool and then get them on board with CPQ. <laughs> so like, um, and they were, they were kind of excited too, because we were able to like get certain like insights that they didn't have that they used to have to just look at manually in some separate financial system into one system. And they were excited about the fact that, look, if I, if I give my CRM more information, I get a lot more out. Mm -hmm. So we ended up with like a, a stronger partnership. And that was my last role before my current role now um, as the senior director of sales operations. And kind of leading a growing team um, through some of um, and why I say growing, we've had a few acquisitions, like two, um, <laughs> through like their new system and through like managing like, like core sales operations, where like, what's your forecasting? Do we have the right level of like pipeline coverage? Do we have the right level of, um, activities, what type of activity correlate with results, right? So those types of questions and trying to like, like have me and my team quickly dig in so we can adjust to like some aggressive revenue goals. Wow. 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 So acquisition. So two already in the two little, almost two and a half years you've been there. That's, uh, yes. So that, that's a lot. So you're, you're bringing I, different, probably instances of Salesforce together, different, you use this, yes. you use this type of stuff. Yes. yes. So like to frame this one for you, we had one in December of 2021, um, an acquisition, and we had to go live merge. They actually had a Salesforce instance, but they didn't have a CPQ. Okay. And we have a CPQ. So like we had to like merge financial information into um, our current Salesforce CRM. And that was done in March of 2022. It was live. And then we had another one in September <laughs> where we had to migrate. But this was a CPQ instance. And we were live January, January wow. 6th. 
Look so, like, wow, it's that's, been, that's a lot of work um, for leadership. You must have a, a, some, some great team members to help you out as well. Really great team members. Um, also, we did have some, we had some support for, from a great implementation partner as well. Um, and we were able to just tag team and say, all right, this is our date. And one of the things we had to do was decide what was important to make it into our MVP and what wasn't. And you had to, we had to accept that there were going to be some mistakes and uh, communicate that. And I think that's what really helped us get to an aggressive timeline with um, such a, it was a larger acquisition. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, that's crazy. That's, that's, uh, that's quite a goal. And I think understanding that things aren't going to be perfect and Mm -hmm. I think people need to be flexible. They need to be agile. They need to understand that like, Hey, what it looks like today is maybe, you know, we're every, you know, we're going to continually improve it and understand where, you know, the challenges and factor in the user experience and everything like that. I, I think, Wow. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a huge, you should be super proud. That, those are some pretty major accomplishments. Uh, definitely meeting those times yeah. and everything. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. Was... Blow up. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. Okay. So the thing is I'm, I'm going to be candid with you all. Right. Cause I feel like we're kind of a group of same types of type of professionals. I'm going to be candid with you. Like it, Nothing blew up, but there are still things where you just have lessons learned as far as like, uh, it's not super easy to do something like that in a short period of time. So there's going to, there's just going to be messes with data. So like one of the things we came across and I'll just say from a lessons learned perspective is like, we tried to be really crisp with our matching mm-hmm. and duplication, right? But like, they're just like, history of different types of information and different and like it just we're still working through cleaning up some of that and that is one of the lessons learned as as far as you put two different systems together you are going to have different ways that you have seen information and uh and it's the the challenge we are we're still working through is like the for the friction it creates if you have like two records of a customer for example that's yeah. not fun <laughs> like, right, yeah. right yeah 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 because you've got to find out figure out like how how do you merge that what does that look like mm-hmm. what are you going to lose as a result because you're you're not going to have everything right something's something's there's going to be a sacrifice somewhere right? yeah and then and also like then who then owns it <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's that that's too, the, right when you have yeah not just systems coming together. I, I've experienced this as well, where you have like multiple yeah. teams coming together and then they're like, oh, you know, what's what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. and it's a, that's a skill set you have to, like I'm learning to like sharpen is the, 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 the people part, right? Cause I, I can look at a spreadsheet all day. I can look at a backend of a system all day, but like, all right, how do I get what I'm trying to do that will operationalize things to like the understanding and the acceptance of the people, right? Because like when you're in this type of role, like the I, I consider success is what I consider to be a success is if 
the people, the process, and the technology are working in a synergistic way. If one of those things are off, it it kind of like creates a domino effect. So something of like the people part is probably a, a skill set that I'm trying to like strengthen a little bit. Yeah. It it's definitely a very valuable skill set in this role. Mm-hmm. You and I spoke about earlier, just working across all the different functions. You're working with operations folks, product, finance, sales, customer success, marketing, and all these people have different types of personalities too, right? Uh, And in different, you know, silos they work in and different uh, cultures, Mm -hmm. even many cultures like uh, marketing always has its own kind of fun culture, right? And, exactly. And, you know, there's, there's all these different things. So you kind of have to, you have to be able to uh, communicate and, and and bring them together for the common goal, the common good. Exactly. And yeah. And also like get people to like, know that we are, we're, we're working together where we all kind of have a common goal, mm-hmm. especially like with like you call it real revenue operations, right? So like the CS operations, the finance, we're all working towards the benefit of the organization. Like we, I think we all have like either like growth and retention goals, right? So the more that we try to create some form of alignment, the better off we're going to be long-term. So that's the thing I try to do when I'm working with other groups, which I do daily mm-hmm. frequently is like to try to disarm them to say like look like we're on the same team let's go right what do you need from me here's what I have like what can we do together so that we can reach the common objective so yeah yeah that's a that's a great way to put it and uh so that people don't you know they're not their guard isn't up and they go oh okay well this this can actually help me this helps companies helps customer and uh, yep. keep, keeping the customer in the center. And, you know, as we as we shift here a little bit, I, we talked about sales ops being a little bit of a catch-all sometimes. Yes. Uh, because yes. you're great at what you do. You have this great background. You can kind of figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. What, how, how do you how do you really approach that? Uh, when when you're you're getting everybody realizing how how great you are, you go, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? We need to do this. We need to do that. How do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So it's this is I'll I'll answer this, but I know it's a it's a work in progress, and it's something I try to refine daily. But like I think as like sales operations or revenue operations in general, like because you have such a generalized but strong skill set, you get. Um, you can do a lot, right? So like you like people come to rely on you to deliver certain types of results. And especially if you are the owner of the CRM, right? So that centralized system where all of the information and all the revenue can live, right? It comes like someone comes to you and is like, I need this type of uh, update so I can automatically do X, right? And you're like, oh my God, I can help you with that. Like in your mind, you you probably have figured out exactly how to get to the end point, right? But like you have daily objectives, you have regular things that you need to get done. You have, some of us have OKRs and goals and projects, right? 
So what I try to do, because I I like to think of things as like an in an agile like framework is like, yes, I do have a set of projects and things that I have committed to, but I'm also there's like certain like there's a little bit of flexibility there sometimes because there's times that you're going to have to shift. Right. But what I do like to ask is like, all right, what is your expected result from this? And can you actually explain what you believe the business impact of this uh, project and initiative is and what you expect the ROI to be, right? And I'm actually getting, I've gotten to a place now where I'm crafting that into like a form of a template, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that like someone thinks through it. And this is just hot off the press for me, I will say. Had someone um, on our CS side like that reached out and say, look, Etchens, we need to put this in. You need to update our CRM so we can do this X. I'm not going to go into what it is. Right. And I was like, oh, so he sent it to me and he wrote out what he thinks he wanted to do. And I was like, well, I'm at, I'm still at a place where I'm trying to like juggle between like my sales ops. And I was like, we're going to regroup on what's priority. So I had a whole uh, what, what I'm calling a summit mm-hmm. where I prioritize with the ops leaders. And I was like, what do we, what must we do this next quarter? And we ranked it. Right. And that thing that that leader like came up with um, did not make it. Right. Oh. But so they did, they regrouped with me and they were like, look, I still need this. I was like, you know what? I do sometimes realize as a CR, as a CRM person, I know you also don't want to be the bottleneck. I was like, well, let's maybe let's regroup to see what an MVP version of this would look like so that you can continue on with your initiative and you're not stuck, right? Right. And then we had a conversation. So I set up a meeting. I was like, all right, this is your turn. I know I've been, it's been a few weeks. And I was like, all right, he tried to explain what he wanted and he it wasn't articulated well. We didn't get to a place where we understood what success looked like, right? And then if he hadn't, like, I feel like if he had gone through the exercise of like, success looks like this, this is the business impact. I think we would have been at a much further place, right? And we could have developed something that could have been maybe a few hours of work that would have been uh, gotten him to a version of MVP. But it's, it's the thought work in the front end that I think that we should have those individuals that are requesting uh, something specific do so that right. you're um, able to really enable them and help them better. Right. And sometimes, a lot of times, the solution they think it is isn't really what you yes. And right. So it just yes. goes back to project management 101. Like, well, what, what problem are we trying to solve? Let's look at what are mm-hmm. the root causes of this problem mm-hmm. and what are all the possible solutions the one that you're proposing may be the right solution not saying it's not but yeah. maybe there's an easier way maybe there's maybe maybe that's just a result of like four other bodies that are buried under there that really need to be fixed and mm-hmm. what you're proposing is just a band-aid that's what i experience a lot is a lot of band-aids and duct tape on stuff yes. Right? Yes. Like, well let's just do this it'll fix this like well okay um but really we need to take a step back and prioritize and prioritize and address the root cause of the problem not just stick a band-aid on it 
I agree. I still haven't gotten to a place where I've refined the root cause piece. Because sometimes if you go back to the root cause, you're band-aiding because you don't have the actual, like, either, like, the money, time, resources, you know what I mean, to actually fix the root cause. Yeah. And then that's where you get caught up in the band-aid. So it's just like, are we addressing this or ignoring this? So sometimes like I do talk to you. Put the blinders on, right? Yeah, I coach like, are we, is this, are we ready to address this? Right. No. How much of a problem is us continuing to hobble on? Okay, it's not that big problem. Okay, team. And I have to tell my team this sometimes too. We might have to consciously know that there is a problem over there, Mm -hmm. but like, we might be in ER triage right now and we're right. focusing on the patient that's bleeding. Like, yeah. Right, right. And, and that makes sense. But the fact that you're recognizing that, identifying it. Yes. Um, I, I talked to somebody the other day and uh, who actually works on the consultant side and says she was describing one company and it was like, it was like an episode of quarters under when you really looked underneath. Oh my gosh. You know? So uh, <laughs> it's such an old instance and I was laughing and, and it was like, you, you can't fix that, but you know, and, and Start over. <laughs> so, but you need to work with it and, and sort out, you know, what, what happens next. Right. So exactly. <laughs> that's uh that's definitely, definitely a great story. Uh, are there, are there any other, um, you know, tips or things that you, uh, you want to share another story before we wrap? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I met someone recently at that, the RevOps conference and I'm just borrowing this from her. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So like, um, when someone's asking you like, Hey, help me do this. Right. Instead of just immediately saying yes or responding, like suggest like, well, have you considered X instead of saying, well, like, this is what we can do, right? Like you kind of like throw it back on that person so that they can take a certain level of ownership of like some of the solution. Right. And then of course, like sometimes you're being asked to do something that really is within your wheelhouse. You should be doing it. Um, Offer to them like the idea of like, all right, not this, this isn't a no, but this is not a not right now because of prioritization. So let's have a a point in which we regroup in maybe the next quarter or something to discuss, right? And a lot of times you'll find that the things that, and it's called, instead of reacting, like the things that were so important, (laughs) by the time that you regroup, they're like, what? Like, because I mean, like, we're moving very fast. Like, like, it's not, it's something else. So I thought that was a helpful tidbit. also, I think I just mentioned this, which is like quantifying, like just quantifying the impact and being able to like work there with that person to say, all right, if we work on this thing, what do we think? Like, what is our expected results and can we measure it? Can we create a benchmark of where we are now and where we're going to be based off of what we're doing? Because I mean, if I look back and do a personal retrospective on certain things that were done, we're like, uh, was that effective? Oh, I don't know. Because <laughs> I did not at least have a starting point of like, what am I measuring? And what does actual the measurement of our success looks like? And I think that's just a, a good thing in general for you to like, feel accomplished, right? To know that like, look, this has moved the needle or you know what, this has not moved the needle. And then 
which is okay as well. Right. Once you have that understanding, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and just taking the time to do that is so important. And mm-hmm. when you go back to what you talked about prioritization, yes. I think that's, that's the key in everything that you just said, right? If you mm-hmm. have those lined out, you're able to not react and not, it kind of goes back to that whole like old school Franklin Covey or Stephen Covey, right? The world. Yes. Uh, and it's so easy to get caught up in that rather than, you know, really focusing on your priorities. So, um, exactly. Like, you know, like the, the, the squeakiest wheel sometimes, um, the one thing I also wanted to make sure I left you with too, is like, and maybe I'll share this with you something. It's a Google doc I had to create for my team just because like, I mean, we've grown so much. Mm-hmm. It's called, it's, it says how to prioritize okay. and it's colors. And it's like, does this task have a direct and high re- impact on revenue? No, defer it, add it to a task manager, do it later. Right. And then this is, I'm just borrowing. It's not Stephen Covey. It's the getting things done, okay. Person, but it's like putting dev, getting things done into like a revenue operations framework. I also yeah. manage the deal desk. So the deal desk framework of like, oh, these people are asking me to do, I'm like, all right. Oh, does it have a direct and high revenue impact? Yes. Well, okay. See the next question. Do you have another task that was due before this task that had high and direct? Like, it's just like a different, it's like a visual. Awesome. Right? So it's like, oh, a, kind of like a decision decide. tree for your team to, to really decide if they're taking something on. And it fits exactly, out. exactly. And I want them to be independent and not like, I mean, we're all kind of, most of us are working from home, right? Like, so we do have a lot of like choice with what you do first, second and third sometimes. So like, you can, if you want to get it right, it's helpful to have a framework. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. If you're willing to share that, I, I would love, I think, I think people would, would love to I grab some of those ideas for their teams. I'm uh, I'm definitely eager to take a look at it. If you're if you're, yeah. wanting I will to send it to you. It is extremely simple, but I think sometimes in life that's just what you need. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah! Well, that is that's great, Etchins. I could talk to you for days, so I think we, we <laughs> should uh, definitely connect again. Uh, yes. I really appreciate appreciate your insights and just. Uh-huh. As a as a, a true operator, as sales ops pro, it, getting in there, getting everything done. Uh, this this discussion has been great. So, thank you uh, for being a guest today on RevOps Unboxed, and uh, we'll talk soon. Take it was care. such a pleasure. Thanks, Sandy. Talk okay. to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to RevOps Unboxed, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode.